on what the Lord has for us. But uh, like I said this morning, there's so much to this that uh, we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on just this one passage, just this one chapter, this one event in the history of Israel, and and draw parallels through uh, this event and in the, I guess for lack of a better term, the modern Christian experience today. Um, I'm not real big on modern vocabulary and how the new church likes to say things, but that kind of fits because there's so much that's going on around the church of uh, the the people of Israel as they're leaving Egypt that we see in our lives today. But uh, Exodus 14, we talked this morning about uh, how the children of Israel had left Egypt or were on their way out of Egypt and they had witnessed all the great events of God and all the, all the things that God had done to get them to the point where the Egyptians had run them out of town and uh, they had uh, gotten three days journey out and they were with great confidence moving forward and, and being led directly by God and all that they were experiencing and all that they had going on and then all of a sudden God just decided that they needed to go a different direction. And I said that this morning, kind of leaving it open-ended, realizing that, uh, you know, it wasn't all of a sudden to God. You know, in our lives and in their life at the time, it was an all of a sudden change of direction. But in our understanding of who God is, there's no all of a sudden's. You know, God has been planning everything since before time began. He knew exactly what he was going to do this day in the life of Israel. He knows exactly what he's going to do tomorrow in your life and mine. So if we find ourselves faced tomorrow with a change in direction, we can go back and look and see that there's no surprises to God. Just like this that we're experiencing in, in the life of the world today, there was no surprise when the coronavirus hit. There was no surprise when... You know, they decided that we couldn't gather in groups greater than 250. There was no surprise when schools were let out, although all of us were shocked. God was not. But if we go back and we look at, a, at the end of our, our message this morning, we, we saw that uh, you know, they had gone through all this and God had laid out his plan for Moses and he told him exactly what he was going to do and he told him exactly why he was going to do it, that he was going to receive honor on the back of Pharaoh and on the back of his, his armies, and he was going to receive honor in the eyes of the Egyptians, and he was going to do the things that he needed to do. He didn't need Israel to be anything special, just to be obedient. And verse 10 and 14 there says, as we go back, it says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and we talked about how when we get our eyes off of God and we get our eyes on the situation, how fear will set in. And now when we do that, we, we fail greatly not realizing that God is already in control of it. And that if we just keep our eyes on God, he's got a plan to deliver us. And we saw how that the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And I made the comment that it wasn't necessarily that they broke down in prayer. And the prayer that they see there, there, there was prayer, but it was prayer of fear. And sometimes prayer of fear is a good thing. 
but sometimes it's, it's, it's a hindrance. But they back that prayer up with an immediate pointing of fingers to Moses in verse 11. It says, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness. And wherefore hast thou dealt with us? All of that, we're not going to recap all of that. Just suffice it to say that they had an opportunity to say, See, we told you so. We told you it was going to fall apart. We told you this was a bad idea. And we'll look at God's reaction to it here in a minute. We'll look at Moses' reaction first. We'll look at God's reaction later. But the thing I want you to think about as we're looking at those things is how many times in your life have you gotten in a situation where you looked back and you told God, See, I told you this wasn't going to work. God put you in a situation that you didn't understand. We talked about how God changed their direction. Even though they were in a path of safety, they were going good, they were doing what God told them to do, following God, being where God said be, doing what God said do, being obedient to the faith, and then then God says, go that way. And we say, that's going to fall apart. That's the wrong plan, God. That's not where we need to go, God. That's not what we need to do. And then when it doesn't go the way we think it should have gone, I said, see, we told you so. And so God placed them in a desperate situation with no possible means of escape. Because we talked about how they were between the proverbial rock and a hard place. They had the sea in front of them. They had mountains that were impassable on either side of them. And they had a, a very angry army bearing down on them. They had a lot going on. Humanly speaking, they were in a bad spot. But Moses knew the plan, didn't he? Or at least he had a clue into the plan. He didn't know the whole plan. But God had told him earlier in in 14 and even back in the, the chapters previous to that, God had told Moses, I am going to get honor on Pharaoh. I'm going to show the Egyptians that I am the one true God. I am going to do these things before the people. So in verse 13, as we get into the, to the message for tonight, we see Moses' reaction. And verse 13 says, And Moses said unto the people, Now notice what he says unto the people are probably two of the most ridiculous statements that they had heard since Moses showed up and said, hey, God sent me to tell y'all that we're leaving. All right? We'll paraphrase all the way back there a little bit of history. Y'all excuse some of my redneck training. Moses showed up and said, God sent me to tell y'all we're leaving. We're getting out of here. But now he's saying something even more ridiculous because look at the situation. Like I said, we got an impassable sea in front of us. We got impassable mountains beside us. We got a very angry army bearing down on us. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. And it... Just speaking for self, 
If I was a part of that crowd, my response to Moses would have been, you have lost your mind. Do you not see where we're at? Do you not see what's going on? Even though the Israelites had just lived through all the plagues and the pestilence and the death that the Egyptians lived through, they weren't paying attention either, were they? Fear ye not. Well, on this side of several thousand years, we have, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of sound and of love and of sound mind. But they didn't have that, did they? They had an army bearing down on them with no way of escape. Moses said, Fear ye not. Isn't it great to be able to, to to rest in the promise of God even though you've got no good reason to other than that you know he's God. Because, I mean, they had good grounds to be scared. Humanly speaking, they had every reason in the world to be worried. Resistance would have been simply the fastest way to die. We said, wait a minute, look at the numbers. There were 600,000 just men of the Israelites, and there was only 600 chariots of the Egyptians. Yes, number, number speaking, the Israelites massively outnumbered the Egyptians. But let's remember who the Israelites were. They were slaves. They had 400 years of history of slavery. They had not been trained for war. They had not been hardened for the battle that lay ahead. And they did not have an understanding of how to fight. That's obvious from the fact that they had been oppressed for 400 years. They had good reason to fear. They knew the power of the Egyptian army. They had been living under it for a long time. So though they were not outnumbered, the Israelites, they were most definitely outgunned. Because other than maybe a few sticks and some tools, they had no armament to speak of. They had no weapons of war. They had no swords. They had no shields. They had some utensils for farming, possibly. Some goads for driving their sheep and their, their oxen. But they were not trained in war. And Moses said, fear ye not. You've lost your mind, man. Why would we not be scared? We look around the situation in life today and all that we face, and we open the Word of God, and we see so many places where it says, fear ye not. Joshua was told many times, be of good courage, fear not. We're told so many times, fear not, fear not, fear not. But the hardest thing in the world to do is to fear not. Because we look at it from a perspective of our own experience. Just as the children of Israel were looking at this situation from a perspective of their own experience. So they didn't have the histories that would go along with it to come down in the later years. But not only did he say, fear not, he said, stand still. 
Where are they going to go? <laughs> Stand still. Where, where am I going to go, Moses? I can't go up the mountain. I can't go through the water. Where am I going to go? Moses says, stand still. Sometimes we've got to stand still in our minds and in our hearts and stand still in faith so that we can see what God's going to do. He says, stand still. They were surrounded. Egyptians barreling down on them. But he says, and see the salvation of the Lord, which we, he will show to you today. Fear not and stand still. It's ridiculous. We're about to die and you want us to stay here. But he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. That's a pretty hefty promise, isn't it? We're talking about the most powerful nation in known existence at the time. The Egyptians ruled the world. They were it, and especially in the minds of the Israelites. But look at this. They had no traceable history of the deliverances of God. If they had history of having seen God do great things prior to their moving to Egypt, prior to uh, Joseph delivering them from the famine, Right, and prior to the flood, I mean, after the flood, they they saw God. They knew the stories of God moving, and the family of Abraham and Noah, and they they knew all that, but they had not seen God deliver in this way. Well, what's this way? We're talking about in, in a military way. God had not had to deliver the nation of Israel in, in great respect from an army. Like what we know today where we have the stories of Joshua and Jericho and what a great work he did there to give the victory in battle. And they started training them for war. They said they had not sung the songs of Gideon's great triumph at this time. They did not have that experience in their history to draw from as they're looking to the Lord for salvation, they had not known of the single angel that destroyed the entire Assyrian army in a single night. These folks that were standing with their backs against the wall of water, which was the Red Sea, did not know that this was the God that they served. They knew He was a powerful God. Egypt knew he was a powerful God, but Egypt, as well as Israel, had not seen this side of God. They had seen the God who could manipulate nature by bringing the plagues that he brought and doing the things to the, to the water sources that he did, and even killing children. Those were, those were acts of manipulation of nature, but they had not seen the militaristic God that they were about to see. Moses said, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So, and we, we see him respond that way because they had seen God protect him from the plagues and the pestilence just as Moses had. But realize that when Moses says this to them, he's a little bit on the defensive. 
Go back up to verse 11 there. We see why. He says, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? What did I say this morning? I said this morning they were blaming Moses. They were pointing their finger at Moses. It's your fault that we're in this mess. You're the one that brought us out here. You're the one that set us up for failure. You're the one that's going to get us killed. And Moses said, look here, sit down and shut up. I'm going to show you it here in just a second. Sit down and shut up. The Moses' actual words were, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He had just been attacked for getting them into this mess. Verse 14 says, The Lord shall fight for you. It's not your problem. But what's the verse say? What's it going to say? And ye shall hold your peace. Sit down. And shut up. God's got it. God's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. God said he would take you from Egypt into a land promised to your fathers. God's going to do what he said he was going to do. We know that God will fight for us. The Lord shall fight for you. It's not our problem to fight. And Deuteronomy is reminded that to me, God says this, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Deuteronomy 32. It's God's fight to fight. God knew that Israel didn't have any clue how to fight a war. God knew that they weren't weaponized. God knew they weren't trained. God knew exactly where he had them at. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And Moses said, sit down, shut up, and watch what God's fixing to do. How many of us need to hear that tonight? How many of us need to be reminded that sometimes we got to sit down, shut up, and watch what God's going to do? You shall hold your peace. David hit it on the, on the head. He said in Psalm 46, he said, Be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the heathen, and I will be exalted in the earth. That, that sounds exactly like what God said in verse 4. He says, And I will harden Pharaoh's hearts, that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. Has God's story changed? It didn't change from the day of Moses to the day of David to the day of Ed. It's the same. God will get honor, and it's God's honor to be gotten. He will do exactly what he says he's going to do. Verse 15 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. I like God's response there. Moses is getting attacked because they've gotten into a bad spot. They don't know how they're going to get out of it. They're not trusting God. 
They're crying out to God. They're barking at Moses. Moses says, sit down, shut up, see what God's going to do. And then the Lord says, why are y'all crying? Get up and get moving. Stop crying and get moving. As I was studying this out, I, I run across a, a statement by Spurgeon that I, I thought was kind of funny. It says, praying is always a good thing, but sometimes praying is the wrong thing. When you know what God wants you to do, praying over it too long can be sinful because you're using it to delay what God wants you to do. The children of Israel were crying out, complaining, praying, and the Lord has already told them what to do, to keep going, just keep moving forward. He tells Moses here, he said, why are you crying? Why cry unto me? Tell the children of Israel, go forward. Now, we can go through all the rest of this, and we, we know what's going to happen. Because the very next thing we, we recap that he tells Moses how he's going to open the sea. He says, you're going to lift up your rod, and we're going to open the waters. And we're going to divide it, and the children of Israel are going to go over on the dry ground, and I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they'll follow after you, and I'm going to get the honor that I say I'm going to get, and I'm going to deliver the children of Israel. And the Egyptians are going to know that I'm God after I've gotten the honor that I say I'm going to get. Look at verse 19 with me. It says, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that no one came not near the other all the night. We see the divine protection of God there. But we see that it moved out of the view of Israel. Sometimes we get discouraged when we can't see God moving anymore. But we don't realize that he's just positioned himself in a better spot to make an impact in our lives and to do the things that he needs to do in our life to provide the protection that we don't even realize that we need sometimes. Now, bear in mind, they were in complete understanding that they needed protection. But when God went behind them, that's probably not what they were thinking. But notice what God is doing here. As he went behind them, he moved the cloud behind them, he put the enemies of the Israelites in darkness. Uh-huh. Do you catch that? The enemies of the Israelites are in darkness. They can't see what's going on. The enemies of God's children nowadays are often found in darkness because God stands between them and you. But not only are they in darkness, but you're in light. God is providing the light that you need to advance forward for His cause as he's keeping the enemy at bay and hiding your movements from them, he's giving you the ability to keep moving, to keep stepping forward. As he told Moses, tell them to go forward. He's telling us to go forward, to keep moving, even though we may be scared and fearful of what's lying ahead of us. 
our enemies are in darkness. And he did this. He obscured the movements of the people, allowing them to get time to get a head start. Back to the, to the account here, we realize that we've got 600,000 plus Israelites that are traveling on foot. They might have a few wagons being pulled by oxen to move their gear, but as a general rule, they're walking across this desert, and they're going to have to walk across this path that the Lord has just told Moses he's going to open in the Red Sea. The Israelites are all in chariots and horses, and these are strong horses and fast chariots, the best in the land. They need a little bit of a head start. That's what God's doing. When he moved his angel from the front to the rear and provided that cover, he provided light for them. As it says there in verse 20, he provided light for them for their movement through and for them to see what he was doing. God provides light in our lives so that we can see what he's doing for us. So that we can trust when he says go that we can go. And we look forward there in verse 21. He says, Moses stretched his hand. He's being obedient. He's doing what God told him to do. He caused the sea to go back by a great wind. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea. And upon the dry ground, 22, and the waters were a wall on both sides. Imagine that sight. I just, I have a very vivid imagination, personally. And, I've often thought over this, this story and just imagining the things that the children of Israel saw when they were standing in the middle of this Red Sea. Like I said this morning, the shortest distance I can find in all my study is about two miles. So two miles of walking through walls of water and all that are living in the water you know, is there for you to see. It's like the greatest aquarium ever. <laughs> Think about it. You know, we go spend 70 bucks up here in Seattle to see all the fish swimming around in Elliott Bay. And they got to cross over the Red Sea and see all the fish were in that. I dig that's, that's free. <laughs> that's free. But, you know, they got to see this, and God's doing this for them, and they're, they're moving through this. And it came to pass, verse 24, in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked under the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire, and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians. So they start, in verse 23, we see that they started pursuing. There came a time when God had to remove the veil so that the Egyptians realized, oh crap, they've got to jump on us. we got to go. we got to get them. So they start chasing after them. Mind you, the Israelites have been moving all night across this path. You know, all of the people, I think it's been estimated a million plus, have been moving all night. And this wind that was blowing, that was dividing the sea, was doing a different job to the Egyptians than it was to the Israelites. The Israelites were seeing the wind separate the sea. The Israelites were hearing nothing because this wind was blowing. How many of y'all ever been out in a hard wind and tried to have a conversation with somebody a few feet away. You can't hear nothing, it's especially if you've got big Dumbo ears like I got. 
It's just, it's just noise. You can't hear anything. You think the Egyptians couldn't hear a million people marching away because the wind was in their ears. Not only had God obscured their view, but he had obscured their hearing. God's going to do what he says he's going to do. But in the morning, he looked upon the host through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and he troubled the host of the Egyptians. So he put fear in their hearts. How do you know that? Because they're seeing the same thing the Israelites are seeing. The Israelites are not the only ones seeing that there's a great big ditch running right through the middle of the ocean. Sea, ocean. Lots of water. They already know that God's a God that can manipulate nature. So they're not surprised, but nonetheless, this is a shocking sight. They see this, and they start after them. It's, it's got to be a disconcerting feeling to know that you're going in after these people and you're surrounded by miles and miles of water. And there's another message in verse 25 that I'll not preach tonight, but maybe one of these days I will. Because look at what verse 25 says at the start of it. says, 24 ends, and he troubled the host of the Egyptians, and 25 says, and took off their chariot wheels. Now someday I'm going to put that message together when God knocks your wheels off. <laughs> when God knocks your wheels off. But what a... What a Awesome move. Here you've got the fastest chariots and the best horses in all the land chasing after you, and the God that you serve just simply knocks the wheels off their chariots and turns them in. I, what, I told uh, the young people in Master Club last week, we were talking about this. He talked about turning chariots into sleds. He turned chariots into sleds, and sleds don't move very well on, on dry ground. And it says that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. So now they've come to realize the same thing that the Israelites were told just a few moments prior or a few verses back. Moses told the Israelites, the Lord will fight for you. All you've got to do is Trust him to do it. And now the Egyptians that are being fought against realize the Lord is fighting for them. The Lord will fight for us too. And if we'll trust him and move forward in that faith, our enemies are going to come to understand that the Lord is fighting for us too. Because as we discovered this morning... God doesn't do anything in secret. He's going to receive glory and honor. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And you're going to know that it's him doing it. And so are the enemies of this world. The enemies of our souls are going to know. For the Lord fighteth for them. And as they continued forward, they, they got to the point that they were beaten and they realized it. They said, we've got to get out of here. And then God closes it up on them. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again unto the Egyptians, and upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses did what he said. He stretched forth his hand, and the sea returned in his strength. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And it covered the chariots, and the horsemen, and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. And there remained not so much as one of them. Every one of them died that day at the hands of God. Not one Israelite raised a finger against one Egyptian. The only thing raised was the hand of Moses at the discretion of God. God said, raise your hands and I'm going to open the waters. Moses did it. God said, raise your hands, I'm going to close the waters. Moses did it. And that was it. Everything else was by the hand of God. So why do we fight so hard in our own battles, in our own situations where we see the enemy bearing down on us? Why do we prepare for battle so much rather than turning to the God of the battle? Realizing that he's already, he's already got his battle plan in place. He's already moved on the situation. He's already aware of what needs to be done. How do we think we're going to do it any better? There is no possible way. We talked this morning that God will deliver us in ways we would never understand. There is no possible way that any Israelite standing on that beach that day had a clue that they were about to walk through the Red Sea. But God knew what he was doing. God knew exactly what he was going to do. In ways we could never imagine, he destroyed the greatest army in the world at the time. He defeated the most powerful king of the time. And not one Israelite raised a sword in ways we could never imagine. Thus, verse 30 says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. Moses told them when they were complaining and griping and bellyaching, he said, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And that is exactly what happened. They saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. In 2020, God has given us a written record of everything that he has done so that we can know who he is, how he thinks, and why he does things the way he does them. We don't have to see God move like this personally to understand that this is the God we serve. If we will fear not, stand still, and see his salvation, God always delivers what he promises. So many times we'll 
take our eyes off of him and we'll try to do it ourselves. And I harp on this because this is my biggest flaw. Most of you could leave right now and I'd just finish this message for me in a mirror and it would be sufficient because I in my own life am the world's worst for trying to take over for God, for trying to do it for God when God says, I've got it. I know what I'm doing. It's my job. It's my battle. It's, it's my war. And all I want you to do is be faithful and do what I tell you to do. Keep going forward. God always delivers what he promises. If we'll only fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the evening that you've given us. And I thank you that you are completely aware of what's going on in our lives. And you know what your plans are. And you know how you're going to get us through every situation. And you know why you've brought us to where we're at. Though it may not make any sense to us, as we talked about this morning, Lord, we may not understand the change in our directions. We may see no hope of getting out of our situation, but God, you're always in control. It's always your battle to fight. Lord, help us to look to you, to trust you, to be still and know, Lord, that you are God. And we ask you, Father, all this in Jesus' name.